I'd like to um, talk a little bit uh, this morning about um, another uh, aspect of our um, human uh, experience, of human nature. Um, it's often uh, known as uh, the second, the second funda- foundation, the first foundation being uh, the experience of the body, Posture, breathing, activities of the body, uh, experience at this, experiences at the sense doors. So everything that is of the physical, material realm. So that's the first foundation. The second foundation is the what we often refer to as the feeling tone, and I'll talk about this. The third foundation uh, is the mind states or emotion, and we've talked about this uh, yesterday. So uh, often uh, it's presented in this way because it seemed to make more sense uh, as we develop uh, attention, calm the mind, that we can get attentive to uh, more subtler, maybe, uh, aspects of uh, our experience. So um, what we call the second foundation, um, the word in Pali is Vedana. Uh, And if you pronounce it with a Southern American accent, it sounds Vedna. (laughs) 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 It makes me laugh (laughs) because, you know, it's Pali, it's this language, and if you have it with a French accent (laughs) or with, you know, a a Bible Belt uh, accent from the South (laughs) of America, like, it's all the same. Vedna. (laughs) So, so that... that, uh, particular aspect of experience is really, really uh, interesting. There's a lot of potential in being aware of it in real time in terms of liberating the mind. That's why the Buddha seemed to have given it its own kind of a chapter, you could say. Uh, So classically, there's four foundations. So this is the second one. And so what this refers to is, um, so any experience we have, any experience we have, be it something heard or something felt uh, at the surface of the body or inside the body, being an emotion, be it a thought, uh, something seen or tasted, so any experience we have, uh, has in it a tonality of pleasantness or unpleasantness or neutrality, neither one or the other. It's very central to our experience. If, as human beings, this was removed, put on mute in some ways, we would not recognize life. You know, we would, you know, it's like watching TV with mute. You know, you're like, Something is <laughs> missing, you know. And so if we remove this, we would be like, that's strange, you know. Like, And so it, it is a, at the, a part of our experience all the time. Um, and human beings tend to value this a lot, maybe unknowingly. But, you know, what is happiness for you? Maybe happiness for you would be a succession of pleasant experiences. No? I want it to feel comfortable. I want to feel secure. I want people to say what I want them to say. Do not say what I (laughs) don't want them to say. I want to feel good in the body. I want good experiences in the body. I want the food to taste good and to come at the right time. And uh, I want actually more of it, because <laughs> you know. So when something is pleasant, it's very, very natural in a way for a human being to actually uh, uh, cling. That's what we tend to do. And so all that I'm saying this morning is an invitation today for exploration. Is that true? Oh, et voila! Here it is in action. You know. Um, so one of the standardized reaction for human beings is when they meet pleasant experience uh, they get a little stressed out you would think they would enjoy it but very often they get a little fearful oh my god am I going to be able to keep it 
is it really mine? You know, I want more of it. Suddenly they want to strategize, you know. So, you know, oh, we had, we had such a good evening. Are we going to do it again? <laughs> you know, oh, it's finishing. You know, and m- even if the thing doesn't finish, sometimes while it's happening, we're a little stressed because it could go. Huh? It could disappear. And so, this again for exploration, for uh, us to see this. So that's the relationship we have with pleasant things. We cling to pleasantness of the past. Oh, when I was on that retreat with that extraordinary teacher, it was so pleasant. This is what I want. Back. It's not here. I'm suffering. (laughs) Joking. (laughs) Playing with that important with our uh, experiences, you know. So we cling, we tend to cling to uh, uh, pleasantness of the past or cling to potential pleasantness of the future. You know, I wonder what will be for lunch today. Maybe pizza. So uh, so I'm using small things here, like uh, the food, but, you know, I, you know, we cling to, I want to know, if I want a future that is known, you know, that would be pleasant for me, it would feel good, you know, I want to know what will be the future and I want it to be in a certain way, you know. And so a lot of the renunciation we learn to do here in action, like we're really working on this, is to notice the clinging to the pleasantness. And so here we can become aware of this today. It's going to be fun. And that's one of the kind of uh, enthusiasm in practice comes from uh, seeing that the teachings are real. They're true, you know. Like, oh my God, look at that. I went to my walking spot and somebody's in my spot (laughs) where it feels really good to walk because I'm next to that rhododendron (laughs) 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 my rhododendron (laughs) or whatever else (laughs) you know and so we'll we'll notice this you know uh, and then we can get joyful oh my god I see it you know I'm clinging to something pleasant yeah in all kinds of ways you'll see this the standard reaction often for human beings and watch uh, again with the exact instructions from the Buddha Notice the presence, the absence of this. So, with unpleasant, what do human beings tend to do? Push away, uh, you know, become kind of rigid, fall apart, (laughs) uh, explode, implode, uh, uh, you know, repress, suppress, depress, you know, all the reactions. So... uh, perturbating reaction <laughs> to the unpleasantness, which in the teachings is presented like winds, uh, the winds. If there is pleasantness, it means there's going to be unpleasantness too. They come together. Uh, and so the reaction is two kinds of reaction that will happen for human beings often. The untrained human beings, unwise, would say the Buddha. So they, what do they do when it's unpleasant? They push away, they get aggressive, they think something is wrong, they get worked up, of course, of course. And the next thing they do, not knowing what to do, with, uh, says the Buddha, not knowing what else to do with unpleasant, they look for pleasant. So it's a little painful here, disagreeable. Let's fantasize. Let me imagine myself you know, somewhere else, with somebody else, doing something else, or being someone, someone else. You know, so they, they, they look for pleasant. At home I see this sometimes, you know, I'm on the internet, and I get an email, I don't like the content, it's unpleasant. Suddenly, you know, I open another page of <laughs> something <laughs> that will be, give me more uh, pleasant stimulation. Or I find myself op- in the fridge, you know. I'm like, what am I doing by the fridge, you know? Like, oh, there was discomfort <laughs> on the phone call. Or the, so one hand puts the phone down, the other opens the fridge, <laughs> you know. And then I can rejoice because, oh, look at that. 2,600 years ago, people would go to the fridge also, (laughs) looking for a way out of suffering. Mm. 
<coughs> you know? And so here, watch this, you know? Discomfort and the mind uh, will kind of project or try, you know, use all the senses, the six senses, to be radars for pleasantness. How could I get a hit of pleasantness, you know? And so uh, that is not an easy way to live. Uh, avoiding, fearing displeasure and uh, searching for pleasantness, comfortable, that's going to be an extremely oppressing and stressful life. And so here, the presentation of a possible freedom is to allow the experience to be known as it is to n learn how to meet pleasure with, uh, without stress, without clinging, shutting, you know, uh, getting, um, you know, uh, appropriating or trying to appropriate uh, own or, you know, give duration to that pleasantness. So how to meet fully is very liberating, you know. If I can actually have a pleasant experience without clinging, then it means a more direct, intimate access to pleasure. A full uh, experience of pleasure. Wow, let me be touched by the beauty of this landscape instead of, you know, oh my God, I have to move here. You know. <laughs> Allow it to be experienced fully. You know. And uh, in that quality of contact, of non-clinging, then there could be something extremely touching kind of maybe bittersweet or mm, poignant, maybe would be a better word, is to actually see the arising and the passing of the pleasure. Or in the pleasure to know that it's unreliable, unstable, it might disappear. You know, the other one might go. You know, we don't know. The whatever it is you know, might not return, might, is liable to many, many conditions. And so there's something very touching, it's heart-opening to be uh, in the knowledge of impermanence with uh, pleasurable experiences. And with, um, with the displeasurable, the capacity to meet freely. So what does it mean, maybe more stability, more courage, uh, wisdom to know that if this happens, it's because, it's because the conditions are right. This is how it is right now. So, acceptance. Not easy what I'm describing, this, but this is what we're working on. And then there's neutrality. Very important. Very, very important. So some experiences of the senses, six senses, you know, in the heart, uh, or the mind also, some experiences are pleasant, and there's a whole gradation, is that the word here? Gradation. Yeah? So some things are slightly pleasant, some things are extremely pleasant, some things are slightly unpleasant, some things extremely unpleasant. And there's some things that are in that gradation spectrum there, there's some things that are neither pleasant nor unpleasant. It doesn't stand, it's not the main feature of this experience to be pleasant or unpleasant. We can't tell. Often when it's actually neutral, it's because we can't actually tell. Do I like it or not like it? Is it pleasant or unpleasant? And so this is extremely important too because uh, the standard reaction to human beings when this happens, is that they uh, get confused or they miss out, they don't see. Because there's a kind of a maybe addiction, maybe we're kind of um, conditioned to react to what is pleasant and what is unpleasant. And the neutrality makes us get lost or freak out in some ways. You know? And so in retreat, there's a certain amount of uh, experiences that are uh, rather neutral. And for us, it can be extremely challenging because you're like, the breath, the breath, why would I be with the breath, you know? It's so neutral in a way, you know? I don't want to be, there's nothing happening, you know? Or peace, the mind is non-reactive, kind of calm, and often 
in that moment, retreatants, practitioners, we get confused. What am I supposed to do? You know, <laughs> I'm supposed to do something. Something's not working. <laughs> like, honey, that's peace. <laughs> you know, peace. We all want peace, but you have to have a really developed mind to allow peace to be present. You know, so that's why it's not so much there around because we haven't trained to uh, meet peace. You know, we get bored. What am I doing here? Nothing's happening. You know? Let me think of something that could go wrong. <laughs> you know? And so here, as we sit, walk, do the things we do, we learn how to be very stable, even in neutrality, so that our freedom doesn't depend on being stimulated in a certain way that is pleasant. There's so many things to say around this. At the time of the Buddha, there was uh, one uh, wise person that was uh, very, very uh, respected. She was called Dhammadina. And uh, she, uh, she has a bunch of teachings around this uh, aspect of experience, feeling tone, the Madina. And there's something that uh, I found intriguing when I heard this many, many years ago. And uh, she has a, actually a conversation with her, her ex-husband. One day he came home and he said, Honey, I'm leaving. I'm going to follow the Buddha. And uh, I leave you everything. And uh, she went to check out the Buddha, and she said, Me too. I'm leaving also. She went to the forest to practice, and she became really, really wise, wiser than him. <laughs> and so at some point they meet each other, the ex-husband and uh, Damadina, and he says, Tell me something. Teach me something about uh, Vedana. And she says, uh, amongst other things, she says, uh, when uh, pleasantness ends, when pleasantness ends, it's unpleasant. When unpleasantness ends, it's pleasant. Which is pretty deep teaching. Uh, and then she says um, something like, when a neutral experience is met with... Um, superficial attention, I'll say it like this, you know, lack of mindfulness. It, uh, when uh, neutrality is met without um, care, it often uh, becomes unpleasant. When uh, neutrality is met with, uh, with care, with mindfulness, it often becomes slightly pleasant. And when I read this, I totally recognized the experience of, uh, you know, being with the breath, with the uh, superficial attention, you know, bored, creating doubt, all kinds of, you know, so it was making it unpleasant. And when the mind got a little bit more quiet, suddenly being with the breath was uh, appeasing, reassuring, enjoyable. So was stepping stepping in the walking. So was the moments of transition where there was not much happening. You know, you know nothing is happening. You know, it's, it's just the body standing, waiting for somebody to arrive, or a bus, or something. And the quality of connection, suddenly, it opens up. You know. um, instead of leading to agitation, to doubt, to uh, impatience, you know. It uh, creates a space uh, where the mind can, uh, you know, relax a bit. And, uh, so today we're invited to become aware of that um, aspect of experience. The mm -hmm. Buddha used uh, the image of the bubble to, to um, as a, yeah, an image to talk about this. You're saying it's... Uh, is using the image of the little bubbles that form uh, 
on the puddle of water when it rains. You know, when a drop of rain, rain falls in the puddle, it creates these nightly, tiny little bubbles uh, that last only for a second. And so, uh, kind of uh, using the image to talk about how ephemeral, unstable, and reliable these are, and so that we can wake up in f- to the ephemerality, the passing nature of pleasantness. Otherwise, we're uh, confused, del- deluded. We think, when I get this, and I'm com- it's going to be solid and permanent. You know, we don't think exactly in these words, but this is the under uh, the belief underneath, the unconscious belief. You know, when I get to my bed, if I can sneak out to my bed, then it'll feel good, I'll be fine. You get to your bed, still miserable. <laughs> you know? Um, or, you know, when I be back home and this hell of a retreat <laughs> is finished, it'll be good. You know, projecting satisfaction... And then you get home. I don't know. <laughs> What's going to happen there? <laughs> so, um, okay, shall we explore this a little bit? And you'll see for yourself what uh, if it makes sense or not, and what are the nuances that weren't here this morning. So just now, as we sit sit here, notice uh, you can scan a little bit the experience to see if you can recognize uh, phenomenon uh, phenomena that are um, maybe ple- pleasant or slightly pleasant or unpleasant. So the m- might be sensations. I don't know f- in the fingers. First, they might have been unnoticed, kind of neutral, but coming closer to them, you might notice the agreeable nature of the tingling, or the disagreeable nature of it. Maybe it remains uh, neither one or the other. (coughs) There's a flickering nature maybe also to this easily appear in one way or the other from one moment to, to the next. Or you can check in terms of mind states. Huh? So maybe you enjoyed these few words and there's a, some kind of a pleasant uh, joy inside yourself. Or maybe this was frustrating to hear and the mood is slightly unpleasant. So we see here if we can allow unpleasant to be there, just as it is, a pleasantness to show up, pass through, or even endure in some ways. We're really feeling it, it's absolutely part of the experience, without clinging. This is a deep non-duality here. A capacity for the mind to allow fully pleasantness to arise. 
or allow this pleasure to be there, equally free in both. That's a practice. There is something that appears as neutral. See if you offer this generous uh, presence, allowing the mind to experience it fully as water coming in a sponge. Sometimes, depending on our mood, maybe everything might appear unpleasant. Sometimes, depending on our moods, everything might appear slightly pleasant. Or everything rather neutral.
Did you notice if uh, this was an agreeable sound, or disagreeable, or neutral? Questions about this are objections, <laughs> nuances, um, comments. I, you said something um, about uh, pleasantness being followed by unpleasantness. But if I'm obsessing about something and it's pleasant, and I become aware of it, then I bring my uh, attention back to the breath, which is neutral. Yeah. So, via neutral to unpleasant, kind of, or? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. T- t- I hear your description of uh, your report. Yeah, exact. I think maybe what she meant is um, in unawareness, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're, uh, you're sitting here and you're kind of daydreaming about, oh, we're not back home. And da 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 da, da and then somebody, um, uh, you know, make there's a noise that, and you're woken up. You're, you know, often will get impatient, like, ah, oh, why are there so? M-? You know, I was in my fantasy, <laughs> pleasant fantasy, and you burst that bubble. You know, so so the disappearing, so the sudden maybe disappearance mm-hmm. of the pleasantness might be felt as unpleasant. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know your. Uh, yeah, you know, I remember I had a, a partner, and uh, sometimes he would say to me, amongst many, many beautiful things, <laughs> he would say to me, you know, my morning was going really fine, you know, I had, <laughs> or, you know, the, until you said, <laughs> you know, kind of everything was pleasant until, you know, <laughs> not all the time, but sometimes. And I, I, I was noticing from that perspective, you know, like, wow, the instability of pleasantness, you know. You can't actually <laughs> control what somebody else <laughs> will say, you know, and so that unpleasantness that follows, like the sheer drop when suddenly, you know, somebody at the dinner time says something you don't want to hear, you know, suddenly, like the pleasantness disappeared. I remember one time I was uh, with a partner at uh, at. Uh, by um, a river, a beautiful river, where um, actually there was waterfalls, and you could actually go under the waterfall. And there was a, like a kind of a wall of, a, and we were there. It was a beautiful day, green, middle of summer, uh, day off. It was just, uh, just pleasant feeling tones, you know, the water and all this. And uh, we were sitting b- on a rock and playing in the, in these different waterfalls, and came a, a group of uh, young men, maybe a little drunk or. And I think they noticed that we were a couple, and uh, they were on the other side of the river. And then they started shouting uh, homophobic uh, words. You know, and it was really kind of dramatic how the pleasantness of the scene, although it was not changing, it was still waterfall, sunshine, greeneries. Suddenly, there was no pleasantness available. You know, it was just a feeling of threat and danger and displeasure. And so, so you know, everything was there. And often we think that the pleasantness is in the thing, you know. Mm-hmm. This thing is pleasant, mm-hmm. but it's much more conditional than this. It takes millions of conditions. So if one day I'm unavailable, th- I won't be able to feel the pleasantness of this thing that I've thought, this is pleasant, you know. Or in a different approach, something unpleasant might not feel so unpleasant depending on the mind state. So it's extremely conditional, is the teaching around, around this. Yeah. There's also, maybe I'll uh, add a little thing here. It's actually a big thing, but uh, just because there's just a few minutes. The Buddha makes a discernment between... Uh, so now I presented three types of feeling tone pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, and how there can be a freedom in the three. 
you know, and how, how often there is no freedom. We're actually hooked in some ways, uh, unwise uh, in our relationship to it. He also talks about six kinds of feeling tone. So it's the same pleasant, neutral, unpleasant, but then he makes a further nuance, a distinction between um, what we could call maybe entangling feeling tones and liberating ones. And he says, so uh, one way to talk about it would be that some of the feeling tones might be produced from the inside instead of depending on the outside. So a sense pleasure, I maybe I need it to have that much salt or not too much salt, not too little salt, just a... And so I depend on something external for the experience of pleasure. Benevolence, in the French, bienveillance, like this, this uh, feeling uh, as the quality of being produced from the inside, so might be a little bit more reliable or developed in this way. So, and, you know, there's a when it's met unwisely, s- uh, s- uh, pl- uh, uh, sense pleasures met unwisely will easily lead to addiction, uh, clinging, wanting more, stressing, and so there's a real there's a real gratification, a real beauty, and a possibility of freedom in, but there's also a real danger of uh, the clinging mind and. I think that if we survey our life, I'm not sure any of us could find otherwise, you know, than when there's something, you know, oh, it's going well at work, <coughs> they appreciate what I'm doing, I hope it continues, you know, there's a, there can be a stress, I want to keep it going, but I, I'm not sure it will continue. So, uh, um, and there's another kind of uh, experience of pleasure that doesn't lend itself to clinging so much. You know, often it's produced from the inside, non-clinging, for example, as this aspect of, uh, you know, it's liberating. So that's the distinction the Buddha makes about... Uh, uh, in the same way, I'll give you another example in terms of uh, unpleasantness. So unpleasantness, there's things like, uh, you know, I hurt myself, it's going to be unpleasant. There's another kind of unpleasantness that uh, is known to be potent, that has the, uh, can be liberating. So, for example, if I've done something that was hurtful to somebody else, and I become aware of it, that's very, very delicate work. But uh, with kind of morality, ethics, you know, kind of reviewing. And this happens sometimes on retreat. You know, we get quiet, a few days of silence and the mind comes down and there's enough space, sometimes this is reported by us practitioners. You know, sometimes suddenly, oh my God, I can revisit something that I kind of denied. I did that, I said that, that was not helpful. Do you recognize this? Mm -hmm. So there can be that feeling that is, uh, we would call it uh, maybe a spiritual shame. It's very delicate, but very, the Buddha said, this is onward leading, to actually take uh, responsibility for uh, our participation in something that uh, was uh, hurtful to us or others, you know. Oh, I totally didn't respect myself in that. Or I didn't consider the other. And And the Buddha would describe this as unpleasant, but very useful. That's, he calls it, I think, the guardian of the world of morality that will ensure us, you know. The danger with this particular one is that we can easily fall into guilt. That would be an extreme view. So starting a- hating myself for what was done, you know, instead of having just the discernment, this was not helpful. And knowing that there was an impact, maybe there's heat in the body, you know, there's a contraction, there's a discomfort, but it's a good one, you know, because I can become more clear, oh, I never want to do this again. I want to be really attentive and not reproduce this again. So do you see? So this is unpleasant and onward leading. 
So that field is, in a way, pretty nuanced and, in, in a way, complex. Uh, I'll give you another example of neutrality. So there's a neutrality that doesn't come from things being bland or beige, you know. It comes from the stability of the mind. So the mind infuses neutrality. So a mind that is stable, courageous, uh, resourced, we could say, entering conflict. It might be an environment that is really charged in the family, at the office. Something is really charged. But we come in and we might be able to bring neutrality because of the stability of the mind that can meet what is unpleasant and charge, but with such equanimity that it can actually bring neutrality, which will help maybe understanding, uh, you know, um, uh, resolving. Uh, and so here it happens on retreat that, you know, you could be sitting and the body is in pain, you know, the knee pain that will disappear as you stand up in a few seconds, you know. So not damaging knee pain, just the intensity of uh, staying here with the body and, and understanding that, you know, having bones and tendons is a, is a, comes with difficulties. <coughs> and uh, it could be seen as unpleasant, perceived, experienced as unpleasant, slightly because also it's mixed with reactivity, fear, not wanting. But as in the example I gave yesterday, the going from my pain to the pain, the pain remains, but suddenly this person was experiencing equanimity. So suddenly it was there, it was just like this, and there was a neutrality, not coming from the experience itself, the experience has intensity in it, but the mind has a neutrality that can allow this to be there. So the person, and I've heard this many times, the person will report, usually, Pascal, I would say this is unpleasant. But at that moment, I don't think I could say it was pleasant. Uh, it was unpleasant. I could not say also that it was pleasant. Neither one nor the other. It was definitely intense, but I couldn't describe it in these terms of unpleasant or pleasant. I was really, really present to it. And that kind of... Uh, distinction kinds of falls. Uh, there's a teacher, um, Tanisara Gloria Ambrosia, I think is her name. And um, I was listening to her one time and she was talking about going to the doctor's office. Uh, and uh, and she said she could feel kind of a very dual mind, you know, this is me, my body, my mouth, <laughs> and the dentist is against me, you know. <laughs> so there's really like me and the dentist, and we're against each other, and <laughs> I want comfort, and he wants to come in and play with, you know. <laughs> and she said, I was sitting there, really tense, really <coughs> like this, and she said, suddenly I started practicing, you know, allowing what's happening to happen, and then suddenly... She said, I, suddenly there was just kind of drilling was happening. And it was not my mouth and the dentist doing this to me. It was not that vision. It was just, what's the phenomena? Drilling is happening. And she said it was extremely like kind of earth element and vibration and, and pushing. And she said, suddenly there was no, it was just this. It, the mind was freed in that moment from a limiting view. You know, there was just hardness, vibration, and this was all there was to say about it. She said, even in terms of pleasant or unpleasant, I couldn't tell anymore. It was, you know, what we could call maybe suchness. Mm -hmm. It was such as it was, exactly as it was. And uh, so that was, this is a mind that is equanimous in this way. Uh, allows reality to be exactly what it is under the layers of perceptions, you know, it's mine, it's, it's, it's happening to me, dropping this. So this describes good practice. You know, somebody, you can imagine this person has actually sat and walked <laughs> and paid attention to reality to actually deconstruct the, <coughs> the, the, 
the mind construction about this is happening to me, that view. It's not easy to do. But that's partly what we're doing here as we're sitting and walking. And noticing how pleasant, how pleasant has gone. Now it's neutral or unpleasant. You know, and depending on what is experienced in the same moment, ah, the fogginess is pleasant to look at, visually pleasant. Uh, maybe at the tactile level, unpleasant because cold. So this sometimes is at the forefront, sometimes not. So don't, you know, you sometimes it'll be what you'll f- sometimes know. It's just the body breathing. It doesn't appear in this light, if you want. Okay, so one more thing that might appear today as you're sitting and walking. All right, thank you so much, a group for some of us, and walking for some of us. Thank you.